You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode number 42, airing on June 18th, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to improve themselves so they can better engage and develop others. Whether you're a seasoned leader or leading people for the first time, Improving your leadership skills will drive your success, and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic, how to gain insight into personality. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coaching for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak, and I am coming to you from our studio out here in Orange County, California, and I am thrilled to announce the start of a new series here on Coaching for Leaders in looking at understanding different personality types and how to lead people use who have different personality types, which of course, if you're a leader, you are absolutely leading people who have different personality types than you do. And it's a very common obstacle for many of us as leaders to learn how to work and lead people who are different than ourselves. And so as a result, this summer, at least summer here in the States, I know those of you in the Southern Hemisphere, it's winter time. So this winter, for those of you down there, uh, we're going to be looking at personality and spending actually the next uh, probably five, six, seven episodes on personality and looking into it in detail. And I'm so excited to welcome my favorite guest uh, slash semi-co-host here, and that is my wife, Bonnie Stahoviak. Welcome back to Coaching for Leaders. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited to be here on this beginning of a series that I think is really important and is going to cause me to reflect and a lot, a lot as the coming weeks are upon us. And just thanks for inviting me to this this podcast. I am glad to have you back. And the exact same thing has happened for me. In fact, I've been thinking a bunch about personality just in the past couple of weeks as we've been starting to prepare for the series. And uh, for those of you who have not been listening to Coaching for Leaders for a while, uh, then you haven't heard Bonnie before. She's a frequent uh, contributor to the show. And if you want to know more about her, just go to coachingforleaders.com forward slash Bonnie, and you can learn about her. And uh, for those of you who know her well, we're just going to jump right in and start talking about our topic today. And I thought even before talking in detail about personality and different ways to look at personality, it'd be fun for both of us to uh, just talk about our, you know, when we first got interested in personality, because both of us have actually similar stories. And uh, it's been something that's really been a, a defining factor of our relationship too. So I'll let you start. Well, one of the things I think about as far as when I first became interested in personality was really in my teenage years. And my mom recommended a book called Please Understand Me. And that was one of the early books. They also went on and did a second version of it called Please Understand Me Too. And it really helped me kind of reflect on who I was. And I think when we're teenagers, so much of that process is discovering who we are and also then discovering how we're different than other people. And so that was really an interesting process for me. I had a really difficult time in junior high. That was tough for me. And I think Mm. it's tough for so many people. I sort (laughs) of have this theory that I've never tested where you're either really being cruel to other people or other people are being cruel to you in junior high. I'm not sure how well it would stand up under rigorous research, but it sure felt that way to me. I think it was the latter for both of us based on stories I've heard from you and from myself. (laughs) And then also I think now as we have our son, Luke, 
it's just been fascinating to see how his little personality comes mm, out and yeah. you know you get little bits and pieces as far as hints of when they're in the womb and you know what they're like in there and how active they are and that type of thing and then as they just go through these various developmental stages it's just fascinating to see how personality emerges and we've heard from other people we're still learning a lot and discovering a lot but we've heard from other people that you really can tell a lot about their personality from a pretty young age and it really is interesting that personality is both certainly genetically driven of just who we are from day one, and there's also environmental factors that contribute to our personalities as well, too. And I first became uh, aware of personality and some of the different models uh, when I was in college, actually. And it's interesting you mentioned the Please Understand Me book because I had been through a couple of leadership development programs in college, and they had done the colors personality, you know, mm. there's a blue and a yellow yeah. and um, we'll talk about this later in the episode, but a lot of these are based on some of the same models. And uh, I was fascinated with it. I was like, oh, I'm a blue. And, you know, just the different personality types in the room and really seeing how people's preferences came out when you would talk about them and really kind of bring that to the surface. And I remember going to a bookstore in college and finding the book, Please Understand Me Too, and went through it and read it and actually purchased it. And I uh, still have it on my bookshelf. And mm -hmm. so it's funny that both of you, both you and I actually started our journey with personality type in the same way. And now both of us have gone on and spent a lot of time and resources and actually professional time helping others with personality type too. So we're going to talk about some of that today and take a look at how we can give you hopefully some perspective on personality, uh, not only a high level overview, but, but some good tools we can use and then talk about in detail what we're going to be doing in the coming weeks as we go through this series. And uh, so before we jump into that, I know you have one other thing you want to add in. Yeah. As people are listening, one of the things I think will be helpful is whether or not you really haven't done much reading or studying about personality in the past, this is a great series for you to be listening to or whether you've really done a lot of reading because Dave and I had done a lot of reading from, you know, early, as we mentioned early in our teenage years and, and ever since then. And there's just so much to discover now. Dave, in fact, wrote his dissertation. A lot of the theme of the dissertation was around the personality. And, you know, it's amazing. The research is continually evolving. And of mm. course, how much Dave and I know about it has been evolving as well, too. So we're excited to share and also to have so many guests coming in as well. Indeed. And we very much want this to be a dialogue in the coming weeks. So uh, rather than us just talking to you about what we think is most valuable, we'd love to hear from you about what you'd like to know about personality, leading people of different personality types, tools, resources. If you have questions, we will do our best to find the answers. And if we can't, we'll find the right resources for them. So there's a few ways to stay in touch with us and actually to submit questions. One of them is always the best ways to go to our website, coachingforleaders.com. And uh, this is episode number 42. You can scroll down to the bottom of the show notes and always leave a comment on any of our episodes. So feel free to do that. You can also call into our feedback hotline. That's 949-38-LEARN and leave a message there. And email is a great way to, our email address is feedback at coachingforleaders.com. So I think before jumping into some of the different models and personality types, um, let's talk about some ways, Bonnie, that leaders can become more conscious of leading people with very different personalities. And I think that probably for me, the overarching uh, advice I would have, and certainly this came out in the research I did as well of coaches and coaches working with people to help them to develop these skills is really knowing yourself well first. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the show of knowing yourself well as a leader first, 
But um, getting clear on your own personality preferences really does help you to interact with others more effectively. A lot of us kind of think, you know, hey, I already know myself, but this is, you know, self-evident. And the fact of the matter is that you were mentioning before genetics as being some component of personality and environmental as well. And of course, the research still continues to evolve around that. I mean, there's, there's still things that we're discovering about people who are very complex beings. But one of the things that happens is that society can kind of mess us up sometimes. So we might think we know ourselves pretty well. But we might find out through counseling or through feedback from others that we actually aren't quite as clear as we once thought that perhaps sometimes at different stages in our lives, perhaps we're a little bit more like other people want us to be. And people have talked about, you know, I'm a new mother. And so some people have talked about that have been parents for a long time, particularly this, this, I hear this from mothers a lot of, you know, they spend so much time meeting the needs of others. And then, well, what is it that I like? I don't even remember anymore. And so, mm. you know, it's it's really healthy for us in different seasons of our lives to spend the time thinking about who am I? And sometimes uh, I've found that it's difficult to even figure out your own preferences. And I had this experience of going through um, about 11 or 12 years ago, the first time I had taken a personality assessment, it it pegged me as a quote unquote extrovert. And we'll talk more about what that means on the next episode. But I had a, for a long time believed that I was a, uh, an extrovert and that I liked, you know, should like being around people. I could never understood why I didn't really enjoy that so much, but mm -hmm. I made career decisions based on some of those assessments that I took. And I made some mistakes and some decisions I probably would have done differently if I had known more about myself earlier in my career and I hadn't gotten some data that actually wasn't really effective for me. So it really does um, it really does bear some time to actually examine your own personality preferences. And there's some ways you can do that too. So it's not just a, uh, you know, sitting around and thinking about it. That's actually not a bad place to start is just to spend some space, you know, some quiet time of thinking and reflecting. Um, one of the things we, t you know, we have on our list here is doing some journaling and actually doing some writing and just seeing what kind of things show up when you think about your interactions with others, your core preferences, and just what you enjoy doing, kind of what your default settings are. And journaling doesn't have to be anything too dramatic. I mean, you could be as simple as, you know, writing down every day five things you're thankful for, which is a great exercise to do. But what comes up on that list might also indicate certain things about your personality and what's important to you. Of course, we've talked already about books and we'll have lots of books that we recommend around personality as we go, but that can certainly help as far as doing some reading around personality. But I'll tell you what, Dave, just going into somebody's office or going into their home, it's so much fun if their books are sitting out on a bookshelf as mm -hmm. opposed to in a Kindle or an iPad somewhere. But if you can actually see their books sitting out, that tells you a lot about personality as well. So you might just think, go through your collection of books, whether they're electronic or whether they're right there on a shelf and think about what does that say about your own preferences and who you are. And what's also been helpful to me is working with others who have a real, real true understanding of personality and some of the models and tools and resources. And I've worked with coaches over the years who have been helpful from a standpoint of helping me to understand myself more effectively. So working with a coach who's trained to do this is certainly a wonderful way to provide provide perspective as well. And then, you know, but even if the person isn't necessarily trained in that, just getting some feedback from others on how you interact with people, um, going back and looking at old development reports that you've had from leaders in the past and what people have said about you and what 
strengths they've pointed out and what obstacles they've pointed out in your development also can be really important clues to you as to how you tend to, uh, what type of personality preferences you tend to default to. Also, assessments can be very useful. So there's different types of instruments or tests, if you will. They try not to call them tests because that has sometimes a negative connotation with it. But we can take these instruments, take these assessments and help discover. One of the cautionary notes that Dave and I both have for our listeners is that you don't want to just take what the test says and say, that's who I am, as evidenced by this particular test, because a test is, is an indicator it's one way of gauging things, but you have to actually look at different aspects of it. So we we can take the test and it can tell us some information, but it's not going to tell us everything. And one of the things I know when I take the test, for example, is I test you know really extreme in a certain direction, and it's often just because of being extreme in the other direction. And we'll talk more mm-hmm. about that when we come and talk about extroversion versus inter introversion. But, you know, so just because the test says this, that doesn't mean that's who you are. That's just an indicator. And you can learn, learn some things about it, but, but you always want to have that as just knowing that's just one piece of information. In fact, both of you have, both you and I have had the experience where we tend to um, assess differently than we actually quote unquote, are, our preferences mm-hmm. are. So it's, a, and I think that's true for many people too. And the reason we're talking about this, of course, from a leadership standpoint is that we do tend to lead people the way that we'd like to be led. But often that's not the preference of the necessarily the other person. So it's not that we should try to change ourselves or be someone that we're not, but it is important for us to think about how we're communicating, how we're leading and how that lands with the other person. So personality and different types of personalities are not good or bad. And that's why we tend not to use terms like test when we talk about assessments and instruments is test implies you could fail something. You know, personality is very individual. There's no good or necessarily bad or wrong way to be as a person from a personality trait. It's what are your preferences? And that's one of the challenges also of using assessments and even some personality workshops that I've seen over the years is that Um, Sometimes there's a value judgment placed on different personality types and who you are and, and, and even, and I, people never say they're trying to do this, but there is to some extent in some personality workshops, a, a tendency to kind of put people into boxes and put a label on people. And that can get kind of dangerous to do. You talked about the color assessments and some of the clients that Dave and I have gone and worked with before have used the color assessment prior to us coming in and engaging. And there are various ones out there, but I've not found one that's I'm a huge advocate of. So mm-hmm. I remember us going in and we'd go in and be you'd hear about, well, that person's the CEO is this way he's a blue. And so the blue and the, I'm a yellow. So the blue and the yellow, we just don't get along. And it's kind of like, not entirely sure how your language of dividing up the entire human population into four buckets yeah. and then deciding that you can't communicate with another bucket because their bucket is bad. And it's, it's, it's um not really going to be too useful. I think when we think about just, you are this Dave, you're a this, you're an elephant, you're, a, <laughs> you're, you're yellow and whatever, like that, that, that's pretty jolting and and we can be defensive about, well, you know, that's why you did that because you're a yellow. Well, <laughs> it's not going to really result very much as opposed to reflecting in my preferences, my sort of default setting. If there weren't any environmental factors or I wasn't trying to connect with another person or influence another person, I might prefer to be this way. And I, I tend to soften the language a lot too. It's not, I am this, but I often prefer this. Exactly. And I, 
heard this great analogy a couple of years ago, and I love it when thinking about personality is someone mentioned, you know, personality is a lot like living in your house and the types of rooms you tend to spend the most time in. And really personality is just where you prefer to be. And we all have a favorite room or favorite place in our homes that we like to spend time in. And it doesn't mean we don't spend time in all the other rooms or that we don't enjoy all of the other rooms. In fact, we all, many of us love the variety of having different rooms in our house. It just tends to be the, there's one that we default to and prefer. And personality is very similar. We all tap into all kinds of different personality uh, interactions and traits all day long. There just tends to be a few that we tend to prefer over others, and that's what we're talking about, and that's what we're looking for. So, um, yeah. One ahead. of the things to be cautious of as well is that not everyone is as in to talking about personality as others. And mm, so yeah. I love, you know, I'll talk about, wow, why do people do the way they do? And, you know, my, my undergraduate major was in psychology. And so, you know, I'm fascinated by why people do things and in really engaging in conversation about that. And not everyone's going to be comfortable with that. And sometimes, particularly in the business context, people are going to think that's not appropriate. They're going to think, I don't want to share this with you. I don't, I'm not interested. Some people are much more private and that may be for some really good, healthy reasons. It also can sometimes be for, in, in my opinion, some unhealthy reasons, but you're not there in the workplace to do counseling and to, you know, really dig deep and do some therapy there. I mean, you guys are there to get a job done. Right. And so you really have to be thinking about people's boundaries and, and, and being cautious about that. I think it's good to sometimes stretch people because interpersonally we could always use some help being able to adapt our own styles and, and influence and connect others better, but just being cautious of the fact that not everyone is as interested in sharing their private insights about themselves or their interactions with others. So one of the other things that Dave and I have seen, I'm glad we don't see it that much, but a real public display of what the test said about you. So some mm. people will take the test and then they'll have their whole department take it. And then let's all hang on our nameplates right outside our cubicles, or our offices, what we are. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I could see perhaps in some context if everyone agreed to that and it was helpful, but in many instances, I found it really not as helpful. And in many instances that I've seen, it actually did contribute a little bit more to people placing labels on other people and people talking as if that was the entire makeup of who you are and, and, and causing a little bit more conflict and particularly, again, people getting concerned about issues of privacy and, and really preferring to just keep more of that reflection happening inwardly. And we'll talk about this as we get into different types of personalities, but there are personalities who aren't going to want to talk outwardly and verbalize <laughs> what's going on, but they actually want to think inwardly and it would be a lot more helpful to them in their discovering their own selves and, and unique aspects. If you leave them alone a little bit and give them that quiet space, time to, to turn inward, to think and reflect and not post who they quote unquote are on a poster somewhere. And keep in mind too, that while we'd love to believe that every organization values and espouses diversity of all personality types in reality, a lot of organizations do have certain personality types that are um, quote unquote more valued than others. And so people when forced to start to put labels and tags will in some cases, and we've seen, I've seen it happen many times, will 
um, jump into other groups or put different labels on themselves that they may actually really believe. And so that really has a way of breaking down trust within the organization too. So let's jump into what a few of these models are. Um, you know, there's about, we could spend hours on <laughs> audio here just talking about all the different personality mm-hmm. models and, and types out there. There's really two though that are the most popular, the most widely used. So for the purpose of simplicity, um, and most of the models do pull from these to some to some extent. Uh, the two models and the two assessments that are most popular are MBTI, which is published by the folks at CPP, and then the DISC assessment. So if you've heard of MBTI or DISC, those are probably the two most popular models. Uh, they're both very widely accepted models. They both have fans and critics. Neither one is perfect. Um, and and just a kind of, this is grossly oversimplifying them. So, um, so this, there's nuances with all these. Uh, for me, at least, MBTI is a little bit easier to understand quickly. Um, it also has a little stronger network as far as of control, as far as who can administer MBTI and having to go through some training steps and processes first to administer MBTI. Uh, DISC is a little bit less black and white. Uh, but can be very, very insightful on nuances and helping you to understand your preferences and working with yourself and working with others. So it's not that one is better or worse than the others. Um, you know, they're both great assessments. They're just different. And um, we are going to talk a little bit more about MBTI in the series coming up for two reasons. One, it's a little easier to get your hands around quickly. Secondly, it just happens to be the one that Bonnie and I are trained in and know very well. So we're going to use that as a framework, really, and just really a guide for our discussion, uh, but know that there's many good models out there. The MBTI stands for Myers-Briggs, and those are the two researchers who came together to develop it. So Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, and the DISC is just the, the letters make up each one of the different aspects of personality that it's measuring. So Myers-Briggs Type Indicator or MBTI and DISC is just DISC. And again, each one of those letters makes up the personality descriptors. So Bonnie mentioned that I've done some research on assessments and personality and how coaches work with leaders around assessments. So I do have a few cautionary notes for leaders as we're talking about personality and particularly starting to think about utilizing assessments and talking about some of these models in the coming episodes. Uh, the one thing I, I for sure want to mention up front here is that when we're talking about personality and talking about assessments, assessments are wrong. Uh, even the best ones out there, and MBTI is one of the best ones out there, uh, it only gets, you know, it makes a measure on four different areas. It only gets all four of them correct about 65 to 80% of the time. And so you might say, well, that's pretty good. But what that means is uh, anywhere between a quarter and a third of people who take that assessment, uh, it it misses at least one of those dichotomies for uh, you know a third to a quarter of the people or a quarter to a third of the people. If I get my math right here, uh, each time. So if you are just handing someone the results of an assessment and saying this is who you are, uh, you're going to be wrong at least a quarter of the time. So that's something to know about assessments is that they are not perfect. Uh, they, uh, they are wrong and just beware of people that tell you that assessments are the end all and be all of anything, especially when it comes to hiring and leading people. Um, I've had many times where people will say, oh, our assessment is infallible. It's perfect. It works really well. 
It's just not true that no assessment is perfect. You want to be particularly careful about using any assessment in your hiring process that hasn't been rigorously tested to actually match to the skills for the job because you could actually inadvertently discriminate, not not intentionally because you're saying based on someone's religion or based on the color of their skin, but you could actually unintentionally discriminate against people using an instrument that hasn't been proven. And, and I would say proven not just statistically, but also in the courts to actually stand up. So you you really want to know what you're doing if you're going to attempt to use any sort of instrument in the hiring process. And they actually most of the time don't show up to do you any good anyway. So I I would really recommend against that in almost every case. Yeah. And I, both of us have seen people who have gone through organizational assessment processes with flying colors, have been perfect profiles and come to the organization and work with it for two or three months and end up being a poor fit. And, and also the opposite too, people who have not necessarily fit a great profile for the organization and come on board and done very, very well. So, um, so assessments are one good data point. They're a great data point for us. They provide another piece of information, but it shouldn't be something that we rely on because personality again, isn't about good or bad or putting people in the boxes. It's about have helping us to understand different preferences. And one of the reasons that we want to do that as leaders is because any strength that we have, that we overuse, becomes a liability for us. So we want to be very careful, not only about the obstacles and the things that we may not have a preference for, but the things that we do have a preference for and our strengths really can become overused and become liabilities for us. An example of that is I tend to be a really good planner and be able to really forecast into the future and think about the steps that it will take in order to reach a particular goal. And so when the volume gets turned up too much on that strength, I miss what's right in front of my face. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think, you know, we're moving, we're headed in this direction, and perhaps that direction winds up being wrong, and I miss the clues that are right in front of me. That's what happens when I allow the volume of my strength of planning to be turned up a little too loud. And both of us have a very similar preference around that, Bonnie, even though we're different in other ways. And this actually happened to me yesterday. I was thinking about it as we were having this conversation because uh, Bonnie uh, had mentioned yesterday, we had a few extra minutes yesterday evening. Uh, Luke was asleep. And so we were planning out schedules and I said, um, you know, I was going to plan out the show today. And you said, hey, let's just spend a few minutes brainstorming uh, what we're going to talk about tomorrow and get it down on paper. And my very first reaction was, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on my schedule for this evening. You remember this conversation, right? And, and and it didn't matter that it was five minutes. I was like, oh, I mm, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. I haven't had time to think about it, you know? And that's just how I work. I tend to like hyper schedule my days and that's something I need to become more flexible on. And so it was funny. I was thinking about that actually as we were having the conversation, like this is exactly why we're talking about this because <laughs> it's important to know where our, um, where our preferences are and where those sometimes get in our way. And I know for me, I can be inflexible on things. And that's something that also also shows up for me in leadership and working with clients too. And I've really had to check myself on some of those things. Another huge caution that Dave and I have is around if you're going to bring someone into your organization or you as an individual are going to hire someone to come in and give you some coaching and some work around personality, they need to be trained. And uh, there's different words that are used to indicate that they've had that training and testing. Sometimes it's called being qualified in a particular instrument. Sometimes it's called being certified. In the case of the MBTI, they have actually changed what they call it yeah. <laughs> over time. But but you want to make sure that they actually have some sort of credential 
that goes along with whatever instrument they're using, because a lot of these can be used poorly and they actually end up doing more harm than good in terms of both the organization as well as for individuals. And the term, by the way, in the industry is called test and tell of people who come in, give people assessments, and then just tell them who they are. <laughs> so that's what you want to avoid is if you're going to hire a professional to work with your organization um, is really utilize someone who uses an assessment just as one data point, but really is there to have a conversation and do exploration with people and to have dialogue and take people through exercises that are really going to help them to come to their own conclusions about what their personality preferences are and that the assessment would merely be a data point in that conversation, not the thing that they'd start with. And I would also add here, be cautious of people who only do assessments in the world and that's all that they do. Um, it's not that they aren't those folks out there aren't valuable, and I realize I'm putting people into a box here as well, just saying this. Um, but you know, if you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so um, I've I've definitely found the case where I've worked with people that only do assessments and they don't do anything else in the training or the people development world, and they tend to kind of break down everything as far as how it looks on the assessment. And so um, to to the extent. Uh, actually, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was talking with someone who was doing an assessment with me and was talking about at, at what level they have uh, um, one of the skills on this assessment show up on their strengths. And they said that they are they actually build their professional development plan around getting that particular thing on their assessment to show up higher on the next time they take the assessment. And I was thinking to myself, that's sort of missing the point. Like you don't build your professional development around trying to get a different score in an assessment. You build your professional development around developing good skills that will help you in your work. So it sometimes gets a little bit over, we get a little over data points and into assessments and trying to think of like, okay, what can I change the numbers and all that? And we miss the bigger picture, which is how do we really understand how to work with others effectively? So I really challenge you to uh, look at that through that perspective and that larger lens, and you'll help people to benefit from this personality information as much as possible. So as Dave mentioned in the coming weeks, he is going to be, and I'll be coming in again, but he'll be Good. going through the different dichotomies of the MBTI. Those are the different aspects of the assessment itself and the model. And you have an exciting announcement about one of the coming episodes. Yeah, I do, actually. Uh, there's a great book out right now called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. And I have uh, read it recently. And Susan Kane is the author of that book. It's a New York Times bestseller. And uh, I'm actually going to be uh, interviewing her coming up on episode 44 on July 2nd. It'll air. So that's going to be a great conversation about introversion and how it shows up in corporate America and, uh, and organizations. But before that, next week's episode, Bonnie, for episode number uh, 43, we're going to talk about the difference between extroversion and introversion, which is one of the dichotomies that the MBTI looks at. And, uh, and we each have a different preference on that. So it'll be yeah. a fun discussion. And we're going to have a few other guests come in in the coming weeks as well. So I think that that will be a, a great dialogue and hopefully helpful to you as the listener. And again, just a reminder, send us comments and questions, things you want to hear from us around those topics, because we can help add value to you. And I'm looking forward to coming back then. I'm actually going to sign off now and let Dave do his community news. Great. See you next week for episode number 43. Thanks. Well, as Bonnie and I mentioned, this is just the beginning of a series we're going to be doing on personality here uh, over the uh, next probably six or seven episodes. And we'll be walking through 
the uh, you know some of the different dichotomies of personality. We'll be looking a little bit at the Myers Briggs uh, instrument model that they utilize, and uh, and do some just do some dialogue around personality because it is something that affects all of us. And so hopefully this has just kind of set the stage and gotten us started. And Bonnie will be back next week. We're going to talk about extroversion and introversion and the differences between those and how that plays out in leadership and organizations. And I'll let you guess <laughs> between Bonnie and I who has the preference for which one. You'll find out next week. And um, and But I do want to jump in here real quick and just do some community news and feedback. Uh, this is the point in the show where I try to get some uh, feedback from our listeners and uh, there's a couple of great ways to connect and uh, really stay connected with this community. And that the best way by far is to go to our website, coachingforleaders.com. And of course, you can always call in feedback to our listener hotline. That's 949-38-LEARN. Or you can email feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And I'd encourage you, uh, certainly send any feedback you have, but particularly if you have any comments, questions, or feedback, or anything you want to hear around personality. Now, um, I did get an email this week from Roxanne who emailed feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And it's actually not related to personality, um, but I wanted to include her question here because I think this is a really important question that a lot of leaders run into in organizations. So Roxanne says, uh, quote, uh, first, I would like to say thank you for your show. I absolutely love it. Well, thank you, Roxanne. Uh, My question is, how do you work in an organization where there is no vision, mentoring, or follow-up. I'm responsible for training, helping, etc., and I do not have that support. It is my desire to be the best I can be and to empower those uh, who I come in contact with on a daily basis to reach their destiny. Thank you in advance. Uh, well, f- first of all, Roxanne, thank you so much for this question. Uh, this is a really key, important question Uh I think for a lot of us, because it's something that a lot of us run into when we're trying to really engage and develop people. Now, I will say um, you mentioned the term vision mentoring. I'm not entirely sure I'm clear on what you mean by that. You may mean helping to mentor individuals to have a vision, or you may mean the entire organization having a vision. Um, Either one could be obstacles. So I'll try to answer here in a way that is a little more general and that will be helpful to you regardless. Um, First of all, why don't leaders support this? Well, uh, you know, there's, I think, two reasons why leaders tend to not spend a lot of time with creating a vision or investing in a vision. There's a lot of reasons, but two big ones that I run into is, one, they don't know how to do it. And then secondly, uh, maybe they do know how to do it or maybe they don't, but they have a lot of fear around it. They feel like, you know, if they're going to, there's going to be a vision for the organization that they should set it and that's a conversation they should be having um, you know, either themselves or with the top two or three people, and that that's not something that should be a, a conversation the whole organization has, or empowering individuals because individuals may take over and do something different than they want. Um, and of course, if you listen to this show for any length of time, you know that if you really engage and develop people, you get the exact opposite result. You actually get people who are more committed to seeing the organization succeed and help the organization towards its goals. So, you know, what can you do? And, and that's really what Roxanne is asking here. Well, uh, first of all, Roxanne, I would really encourage you to make the business case first. Um, many people who are in leadership roles, not all, and I'm going to, this is a generalization, not true for everybody, but many people in leadership roles and organizations tend to have uh, more of a focus on the numbers and task-oriented type things. And they may think of the people type things second. 
So uh, one thing is you want to do is absolutely make the business case for why this is important. So you mentioned that um, you're involved in training, helping. So you may be under the you know human resources organization, but even if you're not, um, one great resource to go to is SHRM, uh, Society for Human Resource Management. It's a great place to go. You know, find their materials uh, on vision and how you can help organizations to get there. Um, ASTD is very good for this. American Society for Training and Development. Um, do your homework, find places that really are going to, you know, find articles, find books that are going to support the importance of having a vision and the return on investment that you're going to get for your organization. And, uh, another great resource for this Roxanne is the book called the leadership challenge by Koozies and Posner. It's in its fourth edition. They spent a good chunk of the first, uh, oh, probably 20% of the book talking about vision, the importance of vision, how to do it. Uh, the business case for it to some extent. So I'd really encourage you to look at that as well too. And then part of this also then is, okay, the politics around how you actually make that happen. So um, for example, one of the things you mentioned, just the language you used in your question is, you know, my desire is for people to be the best they can be, empower them, uh, use the term, reach their destiny. Um, Those are all great things to do, but that wouldn't be the language I would use if I was approaching leadership on supporting a vision. I would be using, okay, how does creating a vision support the numbers and the business case? So I wouldn't use more of those kind of touchy-feely words around like, you know, destiny and empowerment. Those are words that tend to um, be a little bit more uncomfortable for leaders who don't tend to think about people first. So I would really kind of keep your language business focused when you make that case. And then another resource, um, you know, just on how to play politics in the organization, because we all play politics in every organization. And, um, is a, a book called The Empowered Manager by Peter Block. It's probably one of the best books I've seen on how to really play the political game. And uh, what I challenge you to do, Roxanne, is focus on getting one win. Focus on getting something you can do. So don't try to, you know, if the organization has never had a vision, uh, no sign that they're ever going to have a vision, don't go, you know, marching into the CEO's office and say, we need to have an organizational vision. Start with small things. Start with something that you could do. Maybe you just uh, get buy into set a vision for your team or a couple of people that report to you or work with you. You know, start with something small. Focus on getting one win. Show that it's working. Show that it's valuable, and then make the further case. And then the final thing I'd say is, hey, if you ultimately can't get support, um, be patient. Don't force it. And and at the end of the day, if you're working for an organization or a leader that does not buy into vision, does not want to talk about vision, does not want to support it, then you can't you can't go there. You just can't. Uh, ultimately, you do need the buy-in of leadership in order to do it. And I've seen leaders try hard <laughs> to go it alone without the support of the people who are their superiors. And I'll tell you, it does not work uh, at the very least. And worse, they get themselves into trouble or they end up being exited from the organization. So, you know... Uh, I say all that, and I, I hate to uh, you know dampen your enthusiasm for it if it does end up happening that way. But um, what I challenge you to do in that case is think about what is the other organization you may want to work for that would support that. Um, although I'll tell you, a lot of organizations struggle with this. Um, but then the other thing I tell you too is you know also look outside your job. You know where are the other where are the places in volunteer work and um, things you could do in the community that will provide you the opportunity 
to, uh, f- you know, really empower people and to do this because it doesn't just have to be in your job. It's great if you can do it in your job, but you can. There's also other venues too. So hey, that's a really long answer to the question. I hope there was something there that was valuable to you. Um, by the way, for those of you who are also listening, um, jump on to the website in the comment section. This is again episode number forty-two. Scroll down to the bottom if you have a thought or idea for Roxanne as well. I'd encourage you to jump onto the comment form there and certainly add in and Roxanne, let us know what is valuable there for you. Hey, if this show has been helpful to you and you happen to be a user of a user, uh, if you happen to have iTunes and this is how you get the show, hop on to iTunes. You can get there by just going to coachingforleaders.com forward slash iTunes. That'll take you to our iTunes site. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Hey, if you use Stitcher, BlackBerry, or Zoom, and that's the way you connect with us, thank you for jumping in on those platforms too. Leave us a review there, certainly, or share us with other folks that you know that you think would benefit from this show too. Hey, the link to the show notes for this show is on our website, coachingforleaders.com. This is episode number 42, and this this show airs every Monday. Hey, wherever you are in the world, whatever's on your agenda today, take one idea from this show to engage and develop someone you lead. Take care, everybody.